0: Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello and welcome to episode number 22 of Sing Dance Act Thrive. My guest today is tap dancer extraordinaire Travis Knights, who is in the Soul Pepper Theater Company's brand new concert, The Promised Land Steinbeck Through Song. It runs July 12th to 27th in Toronto. This concert reimagines the music from Bruce Springsteen, Nina Simone, Sam Cooke, Bob Dylan and more to illuminate the works of famed novelist John Steinbeck and the search for the Promised Land through song and dance. Travis's professional career started in two thousand when he was cast as a principal dancer in the motion picture biography of Bill Bojangles Robinson with Gregory Hines and Sevan Glover. The film was choreographed by the legendary Henry. Letang, And he shares what first inspired him to get into TAP, and what it was like to work with these legendary performers. Travis is so passionate about TAP that you'll be inspired to follow your own passion, no matter what it is. He believes that if you have a passion, you have a responsibility to follow it. We also talk about his podcast, the TAP Love Tour, and some of the amazing guests that he's had on the show and how they've inspired him. I love talking to him. So I hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. What are some of your career highlights? Wow.
1: Oh, uh, so that's a big question. It's, it's so strange. Uh, I'm a tap dancer. Yes. And in this day and age, 2019, there's nobody looking for a tap dancer, right? Uh, which means that I have to be an entrepreneur with it. But this is only like a, a recent, um, I guess, discovery for me. Right. Because I started when I was 10, and as soon as I got started, my life has been touched and, and blessed by this dance. Um, I used to be a very shy uh, child. And for some reason, when I started tap dancing, it just opened up my world. It was Gregory Hines, in fact, that uh, I saw him uh, dance on this tribute show. He was, he was paying tribute to Sammy Davis Jr. who was dying at the time. And all of Hollywood came out to pay tribute to Sammy Davis Jr. I promise I'm gonna ask you a question, I'm getting there. But um, it, was, it was a fantastic show. It was hosted by Eddie Murphy. Michael Jackson was on the gig. Stevie Wonder was on the gig. Gregory Hines was on the gig. And when he came out, I thought what he did was just so fantastic and entertaining and uh, it was amazing. I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, and then sick, frail Sammy Davis Jr. got up on stage and they danced together and I was sold. And I was lucky enough to have parents that, that listened. And I said, Mama, Dad, uh, can, can I tap dance? And I completely lucked out. found this teacher named Ethel Bruno who comes from this lineage of, of working performing artists. She's originally from. Um, Harlem, New York, and she moved to Montreal in the 50s and just stayed. My goodness gracious. Um, And eventually in the the early 90s, uh, started to teach me to tap. Within two years, um, Gregory Hines came to town, and I got to perform with him on stage, just like that. It was was magical, um, and it completely, 100% changed my life. Um, In 1996, he came for the um, International Jazz Festival in Montreal. And um, by some kind of weird chance thing, I really don't understand the story yet. I should pay attention and ask somebody, but uh, the CBC, they, they were following me around. The, the story that they wanted was you know, this you know, child protege gets to see his idol on stage. Fine. So Gregory Hines was um, such a generous performer that towards the end of his performances, he would invite um, tap dancers in the audience to come up on stage and, and do something with them. And so I went. And rule number one as a tap dancer, when you're going to see a tap show, show always bring your shoes. It's rule number one, right? Um, so I had my shoes and I went up there. I was a shy, I was 13 years old at that time. And, um, uh, I said my name, very high pitched, uh, he made fun of me. It's all good. It's all good. I'd make fun of me. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and then I did a step that I stole from his movie tap and, and he was taken aback, and he said, asked me to do it again. And then we did it together. And the whole time CBC was recording it that night, the story went out all across Canada. And the next day I received my first gig. Uh, and ever since I've been, I've been working ever since. Wow. So in terms of k- career highlight, that's just like the a, beginning has
0: to be the, the big story. Yeah it, was,
1: yeah. it was like a, it was like a supernova or it was like the big bang of, of my experience uh, in life as, as a tap dancer. And ever since, you know, I've, I've been traveling the world. I've, I've met some of my favorite people on the planet because of this dance form. Um, and I, it's, it's, it's not something that I could have predicted or it's still not anything that I can predict because the opportunities that, are, that I receive are, are just mind boggling, bogglingly, um, phenomenal
0: right and was it always tap did you experiment with any other type of dance
1: it was it was always tap i did try other forms of dance at the you know at the urging of my teacher at the urging of my parents at the urging of my friends you know you should become a, a multi-form no i'm so stubborn i only care <laughs> i only care about making music with my feet and dancing to it at the same time uh yeah yeah so i'm, I'm kind of a <laughs> i'm a stubborn dude
0: well <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you have to be to
1: make it <laughs> yeah so i guess i, I haven't said that you know all these uh, all the other forms that i see i admire them. They're, they're fantastic in their own ways. I'm just, I'm just you know, kind of this one trick pony. It's not even a trick pony, that's, that's mean to me to say for myself, but I love it so much. There's so much to do with, okay, let me answer you this way. Uh, in the movie tap, towards the end, there was this um, segment where they attached these like midi, uh, MIDI contact mics to Gregory Hines' tap shoes. And then they fed the sound through this computer board and it created completely different sounds. And that, that's like a, a technology that they were developing in the 80s, you can imagine where it is yeah. today. I don't, I, I don't care. I don't care. There, there's there's so much um, uh, left to be discovered with just the shoes themselves and the rhythmic possibilities that you can create on the on the on the fly to add a whole other element. For me, you know, I'd, I'd have to live two lifetimes to to get to to get to that. Um, so so I feel to answer your question, I feel so um, honestly overwhelmed at how much there is for me to learn within the dance of tap itself that I really don't have the space for anything else.
0: Wow! And do you find like because there's less tap dancers, I would imagine that the, to get gigs, it's kind of, you know, both good and bad because there's less of you, but then is it also pigeonholed of, we only have room for one tap dancer, but we'll have room for like, Uh, you know, 10 hip hop dancers or whatever? Um,
1: so I think it's bittersweet. So it's bittersweet in in the sense that I I have to create most of my work for myself, right? Um, it's sweet in the sense that as soon as I create it, there's, there's this demand that happens. People love tap dance. They do. It's just, it's just hard to come by. Um, uh, abundance, abund- I believe in abundance 100%. So I actually, I actually was a very good boy and, and followed the recommendations of my parents and I, and I got a business degree uh, But before, before handing it to my parents and, and setting off to live my life in, in, in tap dance. But um, an important thing that I learned in business school was uh, when you're selling a product, you have to identify four key things. Number one, is the product valuable? Is it rare? Is it costly to imitate? And are you organized to exploit it? And if these four things are in line, you'll be fine, right? And tap dance is absolutely 100% valuable. It is rare, as you mentioned. Uh, it's costly, but like you, you, can't just, you can't just start tap dancing and be a tap dancer. It takes a very long time to, to um, sound good, let's put it that way. Um, and then the, the organization, that's, that's, my big, that's the challenge of my life, I think, you know, as, a, as an artistic type. I don't want to be stereotypical about it, but I am, I am pretty impulsive and, and I, I fly by the seat of my pants. I'm passionate. And to organize my thoughts, to organize my my work is is a kind of torture that I'm uh, that I'm I have to uh, engage with. It's just something that I have to do in order to create a demand, in order to create a market for this dance that um, is oftentimes forgotten in, in the I guess the our cultural zeitgeist.
0: Right. And I saw that you later were in a movie with Gregory Hines about poetry. Isn't that crazy? That's, crazy? That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you, like stay so in contact in, yeah. and be like best friends? <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> no, not quite, not at all. I'm a socially awkward child. That was a big, that was a big, Gregory Hines, superstar, yeah. superstar, NBC. Anyway, so, but um, just by chance. Hey, I think, I think at this point, I want to sing, Oh Canada, if possible. Um, <laughs> but but just, just have that in the back of your mind. Okay. There's, a law, there's a law in Canada where um, if you film here, you have to have a certain percentage of Canadian uh, people uh, on the job, right. right? And it was the same thing for that movie. Um, um, Gregory uh, um, shot that movie here in Toronto. And because of that, he, he, was, he had to have a certain amount of Canadian actors and dancers in the movie. And he remembered me and called me. And I, 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 I fell over my chair. I didn't, I didn't have to audition. He, he, he auditioned me that night on the stage. You understand what I'm saying? It's, wow. it's like, it's so, um, it's so magic to me. I, I can't believe, I can't believe it. But yes, it got to be in the movie with Gregory Hines. But not only that, it was choreographed by the late great Henry the Tang, who's this, insanely important choreographer to the cultural history of, of North America, period, the end. I googled, um, yes. you <laughs> I googled.
0: I'm like, yes, he's worked with a lot of famous people.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Made them look fantastic. Um, and um, got to work with them. My teacher um, was well aware of Henry Lutang, and they, they both come from Harlem, New York, so they were very, very close. And she prepared me for the, the uh, can I say this, hard-ass? Yep. Uh, that, that he would be, this, this, this kind of taskmaster type, but I thought he was one hundred percent charming, and I was hungry and ready for all the work he threw at me. So it was, it was just a fantastically magical experience.
0: What are some of the key lessons that you learned from working with both of them, Gregory Hines and Henry? It must have been like a master class.
1: Absolutely. So there's one lesson that I'm I'm still learning, and I'm still trying to implement. Right. Um, the one thing about Gregory that I remember that was that still blows me over today is to this day is he was enthusiastic and charming and generous and warm and just he, he had this he had this pleasant demeanor about him welcoming you know if ever i was um, alone on set he would welcome me into whatever he was doing he he was um a very open open person and myself by contrast i'm i'm kind of brooding i'm i'm uh, a little dark at times i love listening to radiohead um i'm somewhat antisocial you get the picture but it was to 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 be around that kind of energy was infectious and i can imagine you know i can imagine if you if you if you're thinking about working with someone, you want that kind of person in your corner to, to be a cheerleader when, when that needs to be to be an excellent, um, a source of excellence uh, w- when that's required as well. Gregory was an incredible force to be reckoned with. Um, Henry Letang, work ethic, work ethic, work ethic. Show up on time and prepared. No excuses, your excuses are your own. I'm not in your head, I'm not your mother. <laughs> uh, just, just do your job and we'll be friends, or at least friendly. <laughs> um, Henry, Henry Letang, um, uh, taught me about preparation um and excellence it was it, it's these are 100 percent lifelong lessons but i but i feel myself um engaging in them today and referencing those experience those experiences specifically um
0: yes, to do that like today. now yeah. you are in more of a leading role in some of your projects so absolutely you have to kind of take that to heart and, and welcome in the newer ones
1: exactly that's right that's right because because i remember as a child those experiences i was so um grateful. I remember being grateful to to these men for, for welcoming me in. They didn't have to. They could have treated me like a child. I worked yeah. on another show um, uh, that they, they did the kind of opposite. They it was like tough love. There was like right. a child role in the show. And they gave that child like tough love. You know, you're on this big show and we're gonna prank you, we're gonna punch you, we're going it was it was not my style. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, man. Um because I was exposed to the opposite and 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 I was enriched because of it.
0: Right. So, where did you go from there? You were like, what, 15, 16?
1: Yeah, 16, 16 um, when I did the movie Bojangles. And then uh, <laughs> I started my own tap dance company uh, in Montreal and we, we did a lot of good work. Uh, we, I, that's when I um, dipped my tone to producing and understood, started to understand the difference between a dancer and a producer, the difference between uh, someone who you hire to do the work and, and creating the work, uh, and defined. started to define what it would take to make a um, a career out of this thing. That was a very important time in my life. That was at the same time that I was uh, finishing up high school, going into stage up in university, and um, really understanding, or starting to understand the business side of of tap dance, of entertainment, you know? Right. Um, and then, yeah, just like opportunities just kept on rolling in, uh, you know? Uh, the the great thing about tap dance or any type of dance, I'm, I'm a believer in abundance. Um, so if someone is successful, for example, in New York, that is going to up the profile of tap dance and and people all of a sudden everywhere are going to be looking for tap dancers. Case in point, there was uh, a movie in 2005, 2006 uh, called Happy Feet, Uh, Tap Dancing Penguin. Tap dancer was none other than the incredibly genius uh, Savion Glover. Um, And because of that movie, they made a video game and the video game company resided in Montreal. Bam, bam, just like that. Uh, Got that gig. It was, (laughs) it's, it's just that kind of, that kind of, um, I guess, would you call, what would you call it? Like trickle down economic? What, what would you call that? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's your business school talk.
1: <laughs> but I, I, I call it abundance. It, it means that yeah. because of that, that experience, whenever I see a colleague of mine or an elder of mine, or anybody else in my field being successful, I, I feel genuinely happy for them because I'm, I'm, um, somewhat hip to the abundance that that's around in the world. I remember yeah. once I, once I got my, um, that's a, no, we won't go there. We'll, if, we, if we go there, we'll go there. But uh, I eventually um, auditioned for a show called Stomp in New York. It was like one of my first auditions. Oh, I, yeah. drove, I, I drove from Montreal, I was living in Montreal at the time. I drove from Montreal to New York, I was very excited. Oh my goodness gracious, it was, it was my first, um, in Australia they have this term called a, a walkabout. I felt right. like it was, um, I was becoming a man, you know, Get, getting in my car, but fine. So I do the audition and I make it all the way to the end. It was a fun audition, learned some great things, met some great people. At the end, at the very end of the audition, the producer comes up to me and says, are you Canadian? I'm sorry. We don't provide visas for ca- Canadians. We're, we're done here. My heart, my heart, <laughs> that yeah. damn, my heart, it just, it just broke, right? And so tail between my legs, I, I drove back to Montreal. And, but before I got into the city, I, um, I stopped off in, in quite frankly, the middle of nowhere where I could see the stars. And I got out of the car and I looked up and I remembered and recognized uh, and took in the vastness of the cosmos. And understood and realized how small the opportunity of Stomp is compared to the vastness that is before me. And immediately felt 100% better, immediately went back to Montreal and started practicing.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. yeah, well, even that, that play Stomp, like, it, it got everyone more aware of tap dancing for sure. Yeah, rhythmic. Yeah, definitely. The, the yeah. music in that show is incredible. So um, how did you get involved with uh, Cirque du Soleil?
1: Cirque du Soleil, once again, I, live, I, I lived in Montreal. Uh, Cirque du Soleil was, uh, was in Montreal. Yep. And there was this uh, um, a juggler, juggler slash tap dancer named Masha. Phenomenal juggler, oh my gosh. Um, I don't know how I met her, but she approached me about doing a project with her in Cirque du Soleil. And we, um, we worked on this juggling tap dance bit. She would juggle on tables, she would bounce the balls underneath the table and, and it would like rebound and she would catch it and that would create a rhythm. And I danced to those rhythms that she created. So there were three different levels of tables. Uh, so the, the smallest table, I'm sure you can imagine, you bounce the ball, right? The medium table, yeah. the high table. And, and so with these three tables she created, <laughs> it was amazing, she created these rhythms and I danced on top of the tables, jumped from table to table and it was, it was, it was a big deal, fine. So we put together this bit, this, this set, and performed it um, in front of, it was like that, I remember it was the top floor, of the of the i guess the facility the sister Soleil facility and we performed it in front of um i think it was nine directors of completely different shows uh and producers all of all of the top brass uh, administration of uh sister soleil and after that performance uh tap dance was included in three different shows i'm pretty astonished and proud of that um um and and that's yeah that's how i became a, the tap dance consultant so to speak um yeah
0: what are some of the challenges that you faced along the way in making this a career?
1: Where to begin? Are you kidding? Okay, well.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, we had success after success okay. after success. But we all know there are some downtimes. Okay, so hmm, I don't even know how to like begin. Were there times that you were between jobs and not sure what's happening next?
1: 100% absolutely. Um, it definitely happened a lot more when I was uh, younger in my 20s. I'm now 35 with 2.2 kids and a wife. And you know what I mean? Uh, Responsive responsibilities, and so there's a um, I have much more of an impetus to and a and a, and a thrust to create the work for myself. Uh, but back when I was in my twenties and much prettier and, and and the testosterone was was through the roof, I was selling myself through um, a, a kind of uh, sex appeal was uh, uh, my approach to the dance, and uh, it it worked out. Um, I would be busy in the summer times and lazy in the winter time. I would supplement my income with with teaching. Um, I, the, there was a lot about show business that was just, um, obscure to me. I didn't quite understand the, the work it took other than engaging in the dance. Uh, but I didn't understand the work that it took even with business school. This is after business school. Didn't understand the work that it took to, uh, create, um, a career out of this. And, and even, even now it's, it's a struggle. Even now I'm, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, months and months and months in advance and what's going to happen next. And, um, uh. Putting together multiple different projects and expecting most of them to fail. Right. But all I, need is, all I need is one success, you understand? So it's, um, you know, the, the hardest part about all of it, and this is, this is I, I imagine it's the same for everyone in every single field. Every single field is, is the mental. If I, this is as blue collar as it gets. If, if I don't get up bright and early in the morning and do my job, it won't get done. Um, if 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 I have some kind of depression and I can't, it, it doesn't get done. The cash flow the cash flow stops. Yeah. The creativity stops. You know, it's all dependent on my ability to um, get to work in the morning, so to speak. Um, my ability to approach what I do with enthusiasm um, and and faith that the the work, the time that I'm putting in uh, right now is is going to pay off eventually. Um, it's 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 a lot of faith and and a lot of positive mental outlook and there are times honestly i told you i'm I'm this brooding cat yeah. um and there are times when i don't know how to get out of it i'm lucky enough to have a supportive wife that understands me and gives me space when i need to and doesn't give me space when i think i need space and right. and really really has learned the the inner language of my emotional self which is um less than stable you know uh, but i don't think that's i don't think i'm special in that regard i think i think that's just the human condition um, but I, I try to eat right and work out and you know, stay positive. My kids help me. Every time I'm feeling in a crappy mood, they remind me of the joy of life. Um, but yeah, I would say the hardest thing is not having no work. The hardest thing is the mental, because I do believe in abundance. I do believe in our, our collective ability to create anything that we put our minds to. It's just hard to realize. It's hard to go through the formality of, of realizing the dream. That's the real work. Um, is going through the formality of realizing a dream.
0: Yeah. And what keeps you going? When Was there ever a time where you considered, I don't know, giving it up, getting a real job?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, thankfully, no. I'm, I'm a pretty stubborn person. I did four years of university and every single day I was, I wasn't bitter, but I was um, focused on tap dance. Right. Uh, I knew the whole time it was tap dance. Tap dance, from the age of 10, it, it really showed me the world and opened, opened me up. I, became, I went from being a shy, introverted um, uh, person into this still shy, still introverted, but with something to say and, and a way to say it. Um, and and I, 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 it gave me acceptance. There, there's nothing else. I'm, I'm a tap dancer. So, so no, there, there, there was never a time.
0: That's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, and you, you have that passion for it that that's the only thing that you want to do. So I guess when you have a bad day, it's like, well, that's what I want to do. So I got to keep going. You got to get You know it you know,
1: you know helps? Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, three years ago, I started this podcast called the Top Love Tour Podcast. Right. And it's, uh, it's my means of um, getting mentorship from people that I would otherwise not have access to. And I tell you, um, the process of podcasting, the process of booking guests and interviewing them, and it, it, um, and listening to the podcast. I've listened to old episodes, and I've become re-inspired. Like, oh my goodness, yeah. that's a great idea, because blah, 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 I've I've done so many, and of course, I can only re- retain and remember so much. And there's something about the energy of listening to the 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 mentor. I call them mentors. They're, they're my mentors. Absolutely, uh, in the moment that just it just continues to feed me. And so I feel like I've I've put a bunch of different things in in place to keep me grounded and and running.
0: Yeah. That's why I love podcasts, yeah. too, when I started getting into it. It's like anything you want to learn or if you want to be inspired by different people and also that there's no real time limit. So, so uh-huh. maybe if you see this person that you admire on Entertainment Tonight, it'll be like a five minute thing. Whereas a podcast, yeah. like there was one Jimmy Jam and mm-hmm. on this podcast and he's like, I thought it's called 10,000 Nose. It's an actor that does this podcast. And he's like, oh, it was so hard to book that. I thought I had to be like in and out in 20 minutes. And the guy talked for two hours. And it's like... <laughs> listening wow. to jimmy jam tell stories for two hours
1: <laughs> what's better what's better like yeah that's great <laughs>
0: fantastic so that's why you know i love doing this and i love talking to other creators and also it's why i've seen a lot of podcasts for actors or dancers or musicians but yeah. i kind of wanted to do all three because we can all learn from each other and it doesn't have to 100. be so separate
1: 100 percent I'm, I'm totally, yeah too
0: yeah, like it's yeah. entrepreneurship we all have to be an entrepreneur
1: I'm sure. I'm sure this is like what radio felt like when it first came out. Yeah. Uh, but I really feel like the my the, the amount that I'm learning from podcasts um, is something that I can't really account for in any other epoch of my life. I feel like I'm my cup runneth over with information, specifically from long form conversations that that's made possible by podcasts. I I, I really yeah. feel like this this um, revolution in um, open source knowledge. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy innovation, and, and we're just at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, not everyone's discovered
0: them yet. Sometimes I know. <laughs> everyone's like, I have a podcast. And they're like, I don't really know how to listen to what, that. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm like, wow. You're going to love them. But doing? once you get into them, them, you're like, oh, what? what's the new podcast now? What, what can I do? Oh, next? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he talked to so-and-so. Oh, my God, that was going to be so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Totally. And I, the cool thing is, is that half of the ones, I don't know who the person is that's running the podcast, and I don't even know the guest. But it's always a really interesting conversation.
1: Exactly. Agreed, 100%. So I follow, I follow some, um, um, uh, some comedians that do podcasts. Yep. Yeah. And um, I've 100% modeled my um, process as a tap dancer after, after the, the, comedian, the, the process of a comedian. It's oh, yeah. uh, 100%. I, 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 tell, you, tell me more. You, you, you should see me. I'm taking notes when I'm listening to these things. <laughs> Whenever they talk about the process. So you gotta think, uh, a stand-up comedian, nobody's ne- necessarily looking for them. Um, it's, a one, it's a one-man show. They, they do it all. They write down their own, well, depending on who we're talking about. Most of them, they, they, write, their, they write their own material and then they, they suck it up and get up on stage and fail, fail. And they bomb and bomb and bomb and bomb. And then eventually they get a chuckle. That kind of a humble work is right up my alley. Um, I, uh, these comedians that I listen to, they, they say that they feel stale if they don't get up on stage at least three times a week.
0: Right.
1: Right. Uh, before, before hearing that, you know. Um, I was—I think I started listening to podcasts. Let's pretend five years ago, and for me, it was—it was a lot of teaching. Um, my income was composed of a lot of teaching, and maybe um, I'd get up on stage to be generous, uh, let's say once a month. Right. And I think that's being generous, you know. And it, would, it would be some kind of—maybe it would be a. There are a lot of tap dance festivals around, so it would probably be like a five-minute set, five to ten minutes at a, at a tap dance festival, or uh, there would be a random corporate gig. But it's it's this sparse, sparse stage time, right? And for me, I've, I've known since I started this thing, I love the stage, I wanna perform, I wanna perform here at the end. And so after listening to enough of these stories of the process of these comedians, I started a jazz jam in Toronto called the Jazz United Jam. And the, the, the main, the personal um, goal for me was to have a place where I can go to and perform once a week, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, but the goal for the, the jam itself was to re- reconnect all of the disparate elements of jazz culture. So the music today, the music is over here, the dance is over there, singers are over there. Uh, it's, it's, it's very disconnected. If you go to almost any jazz festival on earth, um, I think it would be some kind of miracle to witness um, a jazz dance in the, in the jazz festival. So you, you, you're likely not to see tap dance. Tap dance is uh, a part of jazz dance, jazz culture. So is Lindy Hop. You know, it, it, it's, um, it, it, there's a whole culture around jazz. Um, and so, so the goal of the, the jam is, is to reconnect all of these elements together. We've been doing it for two years and my relationship to the dance has grown exponentially. It's something, it's a practice that I wish I was doing 10 years ago. Uh, my knowledge of jazz grown once again, exponentially. And that's just once a week. There's another gig that I do, um, as well, which is a more, um, hip hop jazz band and it's, it's, uh, it's. It's stretching me in a completely different way. Soul Pepper is stretching me in a completely different way. As soon as I engaged, started engaging in this weekly practice, the the Toronto dance scene, the Toronto entertainment scene, just opened up to me. It was, it was, and it was all because of listening to podcasts and, and understanding wow. what successful people do to become successful, uh, and and being comfortable. This is most important: being comfortable with failing, being comfortable yeah. with just being awful
0: until you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. completely new for me. Yeah, and putting yourself out there no matter exactly. what. Exactly. Exactly. That's, so that sounds fun. So it, you just invite a bunch of artists and performers and I guess audience members and everyone just dances and sings? What does this mean? Ah! Well, that, well that's, that, that's my dream. Oh, to, to, for, to,
1: for, <laughs> to be just like this hang, this informal hang that everybody, that that would be my dream for everybody to just swing on the two and four and have a, a the time that's of dead. their life. So the, <laughs> to do that, we have to change the culture. Uh, and what I find in, in, at least in the Toronto culture, is people are accustomed to sitting down and, and observing. <laughs> yes. Observing and it's kind of like they're, they're out and about watching Netflix or something like that. It's, it's strange. But um, we, we are growing and the, and the people that are showing up to the jam, um, we are becoming accustomed to each other and it's changing slowly. Okay, so the Jazz United Jam happens every single Sunday, seven to 10 at the Transat Club in Toronto. Um, the format uh, is genius. I say genius, it didn't come from me. But it came from <laughs> one of my partners. Uh, his name is uh, Christian Fourier. He said at the very beginning, okay, we need uh, different... Uh, musicians to host every week uh, and so the way the jam is structured is from seven to eight there's a house band that does their set and then from eight to ten it's open to anybody who wants to sing dance play whatever it's just open but right. uh, but that, that that opening house band is always new every single week the the where I benefit what caused me to grow uh, exponentially is I always put myself in that house band so I'm dancing. So whereas I would be accustomed to at these tap dance festivals, for example, to dancing for five to 10 minutes. Now I'm dancing every week for an hour in front of people. Wow. It's just, it's a completely different animal, completely different. Like it's, you know, for, for five to 10 minutes that you introduce yourself, you, um, you dance the song, you pull out your power tricks, you pull out your slides, you engage the crowd, you do an outro, you're done. It's thoroughly exhausting, it's wildly entertaining, it's something that I've grown accustomed to doing. For an hour, you introduce yourself and then you pace yourself. And then you engage mm. and and you find new things. You play the song, you keep it simple, you get extravagant, but then you can it's it's so it's so big and epic. And it's something that I've been failing at for the better part of two years, but I promise you, I won't fail for too much longer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And so you created this Opportunity for yourself.
1: One hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. With, of course, yeah. not by myself. Uh, no. With the help of some amazing people. But, but yeah, yeah, it came from it came from a, a desire. Um, yeah. That was it. it. came from a seed that was planted by uh, by people that don't do what I do at oh, all. The Miracle Podcast.
0: So, who are some of your favorite guests that you've had on your podcast?
1: Wow. Okay. So. And what did you
0: learn from them? Follow up oh. question. <laughs> so. There
1: is someone who, she, she's the mother to us all, right? Um, as soon as she, that Gregory Hines show that I told you about earlier, with this where the CBC um, uh, recorded it, the opening dancer, the dancer that opened for Gregory Hines was uh, Diane Walker. Lady Diane Walker is one of the most impeccable tap dancers ever, period, the end. Um, she put me onto festivals in the, in the United States, of which she's still a part of most of them. Um, she Her teaching style is, is a mix of... <laughs> Um, unfiltered charm, this incredible ability to tell stories, incredible ability to tell stories. And this approach to tap dance that is crystal clear. I've been I've been dancing for years, many years before I met Diane Walker. And I didn't know that tap could sound so good until I met Diane Walker. And I asked her to be a part of the podcast. And I asked, and I asked, and I asked. And, I asked, and then finally, episode 50. <gasps> oh, she gave me her time. And, and uh, I asked her about very specific things that I, that I want to know and I, I learned so much from her. Uh, it's ridiculous. Um, another favorite is um, uh, Dr. Barry Harris. I believe his, he's in his mid nineties right now. He is um, a jazz pianist, uh, lived for 10 years with the late great uh, Thelonious Monk, well accomplished, countless albums and, and awards. You know, He's a doctor in the field, a high priest. He's a general in, in the army of jazz music. And it, I've never been more intimidated speaking to anyone than Dr. Barry Harris. And I, I, I said to him plainly, um, at the top of the interview, and this was very recently, at the very top of the interview, I said to him, uh, listen, I'm, I'm a young, know nothing, know nothing. Um, wow. and I find with young people, we have amnesia. We don't know what happened before us unless, unless, unless we're told. And so, you know, from your experience as a jazz musician, I, I, I want to know your, your thoughts about tap dance. I want to know from you as a musician, how do I tap dance? And he started, he said, first of all, y'all don't know songs anymore. You know, back in my day we knew songs. It was it was this folklore tradition. You know, like I would know songs and my mother would know the same songs. Back in the day, this, you know, in, in, in a time where you had to actually go out to listen and experience music. This is before MP3s and C D players and, and cassettes and H track, you know, it's 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 when things were a lot more live, when, when you heard an instrument, when you heard somebody pluck a string, the vibration from the instrument would hit your body. That has a completely different effect on humans than speakers do. Right. And and
0: and yeah.
1: you know, back in that time we were all dancing to the same music so you know there, there's a song called um 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 how high the moon, um, how high the moon? Uh, so ellipse gerald made that that song famous it was so popular that that everybody knew the song so that song took hold of the culture in the swing era mm-hmm. of jazz and then the in, during the bebop era of jazz charlie parker created a different song off of the same chord progression of how high the moon it's called ornithology and if you listen to it closely you can hear how high the moon within this new song called ornithology but if you don't know any songs as a dancer or even as a jazz musician i'm, I'm speaking to new jazz musicians up today as well if you don't know any songs you don't know how to necessarily improvise in an intelligent way improvise in a way that references all of the history that came before you right um and it would it just it just blew my mind and then focused me on the folklore tradition of tap dance, the folklore tradition that is jazz. Just because jazz was so popular and became, became uh, right. you know, um, I guess, very heady doesn't, doesn't mean that it was once a folk art, a folk music, right? Um, and so that conversation just, it, it blew my mind. Y'all, y'all young people don't know any songs anymore. And it, so that changed the way, oh, he also said that we say too much tap dancers. We, y'all be saying too much. Y'all need to say a lot less than what you're saying. Oh my <laughs> gosh. It was,
0: yeah, so. Is it because you usually only get like a few minutes to perform?
1: That's, that's, and that's the style. That's what happens. It changes you as, as, a, as, a, as an artist. The, the, I'll call it the economy of, of the art. The economy around the art shapes the way the art is presented. Back in the day when, when tap dance was so popular, you know, it, it, was, it was on film, it was on television, it was touring vaudeville circuits. It became this very distilled specific thing meant to entertain the crowd. But before that, it was this folk dance. And currently in my practice, that's, that's what I'm trying to get back to, to, to discover what it's like, to play with musicians, to, to uh, all, not even on a regular basis, always play with musicians. So I've, I've made it, it was, there was another guest on, on the podcast, her name is Heather Cornell, fantastic. She's Canadian, moved to the United States, uh, started the Man, uh, Manhattan Tap, this 20 year touring tap dance company, worked with crazy amounts of people. So she said this to me, um, she's made it a commitment for most of her career, never to press play in front of an audience. Uh, so, which means that she's always working with musicians, and if there are no musicians available, then it's just the, the sound of the taps, and that's it. Okay. Um, if you think about most other dance forms in 2019, at least uh, the dance, a lot of the dancers that I'm around, I find myself around, there's a lot of pressing play.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: which 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 um, shapes how the it shapes the dance, it shapes the culture. It's, it's the reason why I wanted to start, as I said before, the Jazz United Jam, because as, as I said, the musicians are over here, the dancers are way over there. That is just unnatural. If you go anywhere else on Earth, on Earth, outside of North America, the musicians and the dancers are still having a great time yeah. <laughs> together. <laughs> great time together. So, yeah, I, only, I went on, on a tangent. I apologize.
0: Oh, um, That's great. Yeah. I love it. So you're now in a new show at uh, Soul Pepper, The Promised Land. Tell me all about that.
1: Oh my goodness, yes. Soul Pepper, f- fantastic theater company. Um, I've been working with them for three years, I want to say. Don't quote me. Okay. Don't quote me. I'm divorced <laughs> with with time. The opportunity to work with the artists that I get to work with in, in Soul Pepper Theater Company is, is is a dream come true. And working with people like, you know, Alana, on this show, it's Alana Bridgewater and Divine Brown, Hayley Gillis. Oh my gosh, Jacob George Austin, uh, Scott Hunter, Raha Javanfar, uh, Mike Ross. They're all epically, insanely incredible at, at what they do. Adam Warner, of course. How oh, okay, could I forget that? Uh, the, there's a narrator, Joseph Ziegler, is this uh, fantastically accomplished actor. Everybody's at the top of their game. Everybody's excellent at what they do. And it forces me to show up prepared and, and, and fight harder to be excellent. It's, it's not like you know, the, my jazz jam where I can, I'm allowed to fail. Like I'm allowed to uh, um, you know, practice what I'm doing. In, in, in this context, I'm pulling, I'm pulling from my 25 years of tap dance experience and funneling it through this very specific context that's provided by the show. Uh, the show is—it's called Promised Land, uh, Steinbeck through song. You know, you know about John Steinbeck? Yeah, fantastic author, um, visionary. And we're we're approaching his work. We're approaching his approach to work uh, through song. And so this is a, a concert that will just have you. Will have you laughing. Uh, it'll have you crying. It'll it it, it goes through all the fields. Uh, and um, it's really exciting to be a part of. The musical director. He's the Slate family uh, director of music at uh, Soul Pepper. His name is Mike Ross. Um, He's a bit of a genius. <laughs> no, no big deal. He's a bit of a genius. He, he has this ability to... I remember the first time I worked with him, he sized me up. He gave me a challenge and, and just nudged me in a very specific way and it worked. And he keeps on doing it. And every single time we work together, he pushes me a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. Uh, I'm amazed by his ability to see through my... Uh, brooding, insecure nonsense that I bring into rehearsal. Sometimes, let's be honest, and, and and just pull the best out of me. And he does that with all of the artists. It's it's an open environment to to work in. There's a, a writer involved. Her name is uh, Sarah Wilson, um, um, Dora Award winning Sarah Wilson, and Mike Rossmeyer, by the way. Um, right. uh, but but the the way that she uh, distills um, all of the work of Steinbeck and and provides a context for the show. Um, is is incredible to me. I'm I'm learning so much as an artist, as a tap dancer, as a as a as a storyteller myself. I'm I'm very happy and privileged to be a part of this fantastically, fantastically excellent team of performers.
0: Cool. I'm gonna come see it on Friday. Yes. <laughs> ah!
1: Yes. Uh, let me know. Let me know. i, I want to meet you afterwards, and uh, I promise I'll bring a towel. I tend to bring <laughs> a towel, and I'll and I'll be somewhat decent. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so. What advice would you have for someone that comes to see the show on Friday and wants to do what you do, who has that moment that you had with Gregory Hines with you?
1: Hmm. Oh, wow. With me,
0: um, someone sees you dancing like that and goes, "I want to yeah. do that."
1: It's it's the same. It's the same thing for for everyone. Everyone's on a very specific journey, and they should. You should you should honor that. Um, don't try to be like anything anybody else. That's the great thing about tap dance is if you look like someone, it, it's, not, it's not a good thing. It's a very um, stylistic dance and everybody has their own specific style. And that is something that is celebrated in tap dance. And I think it's also celebrated in uh, much of life, believe it or not. Um, and so whatever your journey is, uh, get to know it. And the more you brush up with it, the more you'll understand what that journey is and keep on pursuing it and, and stay true to yourself and stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. I feel like a lot of people tend to give up right before the miracle happens. Uh, and I'm talking as as someone who's had the privilege of, of having miracles happen almost almost immediately after I started tap dancing. But I was just I was lucky that way, you
0: know. Yeah. Not everyone gets that, but exactly. Yeah.
1: But if but if you have a passion and you know it's a passion, you you already have a leg up over a lot of different people who don't even know what that what that is. And so I think it's I actually think it's your responsibility. I'm using that word responsibility to to honor that passion and follow it wherever it leads, because there's more going on than than just your um, just your inputs, just your insecurity, just your relationship to whatever the thing is, you have the potential to influence people around you in a way that can save lives, that can improve lives, that can change the world in a way that we desperately need these days. So I'd say it's a responsibility. If you know that you have a passion for something, it's your responsibility to pursue it, um, as, as, Wisely and as, as smartly as possible. Don't don't be ridiculous and just drop everything that you're doing and and, and, and <laughs> pursue the thing without without having a plan. Right. But uh, be responsible about it and be smart about it. And I and I do believe in a, I do believe in miracles. I do believe in abundance. And I tell you, I meet a lot of people. I believe in people too.
0: I love that. That's I, I think I even say something similar in my bio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I, I end it with you know as creative artists, you have the ability to change lives with your talent. Oh. And then I say, like, you know, my mission is to help you achieve that with what it is that I do. So, right. yeah, right. like performing 100%. artists, artists, it's like it inspires the world. Can I
1: Before, before we, we, we sign off, can I give you an example of yes, what I'm talking about? For sure. So um, I'm a black male and I, I have a very specific relationship to tap dance relative to uh, my identity. Um, ta- my, my teacher uh, is from Harlem, New York, a black woman. And so another layer of why I took the tap dance so hard is because she was giving me uh, a sense of history that I wasn't getting from Canadian culture, a sense of history that I wasn't getting from um, um, from school. Quite frankly, right. I, I was learning about these these figures, these giants in the dance, these giants in jazz, these giants in film and television that were black, and it was it was it gave me a sense of self that 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 made the ground underneath me firm. Okay, so now that I'm in this, I call this the age of influence. Right, 35, I I have enough. Under my belt, knowledge under my belt to wear. Now I want to make things. In regards to what I make as a as a as a performing artist, I do feel a sense of responsibility to be a storyteller, a specifically a Black storyteller, um, in an age where there's there's a real, I feel like for the first time in my life, there's a real interest in in, in different diverse voices. And so, if I choose to, and it's there, the option is there the option is there for me to go into my hole it's it's, it's like this there's this fear that i have in me that is, is alive and well let's put it that way right if i if i choose to do that if i choose to not meet my responsibility as a person who's been lucky enough to pursue this dance pursue this life um ha- have have wonderful opportunities if i choose to squander that um I, I do believe that the world will be deficient for it less for it i, I feel like um, i have to i have no choice but to um do my job as best that i can um and i feel like that is the case for everyone. If they choose to see their, their, their interactions um, as, as a kind of responsibility, I think. I think everyone has a kind of responsibility to themselves and each other. Yeah, it's
0: amazing. Yeah, that's a, that's and, to, awesome. and to follow it and to do it and not give up in the hard times. It's amazing. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Exactly. There's, there's no choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Diane, I'm trapped. Help me. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I usually ask, uh, what is your why? But I think this whole thing has been your why. I already know your why. <laughs> right right <laughs> <laughs> cool um so where can people find you online
1: uh yeah i'm on i'm on facebook i'm on instagram tk experience I'm on instagram i have a website travisknights.com uh cool. check out the podcast It's at tap love tour it's on itunes and spotify and soundcloud and stitcher you know you know wherever you get your your podcasts i'm oh. all over the place i'm all over the place yeah and cool. make sure if, if you do follow you know Listen. Make sure to uh, give a nice, robust five-star review to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive podcast. Yes. And while you're at it, do the same for <laughs> the Tabletor podcast. It really does help. It really does help.
0: I have no reviews yet.
1: No reviews? Oh, <laughs> we'll change that
0: today. We'll change that today. Get it together, listen. Somebody, anyone, review. It. <laughs> <laughs> we are on episode 22. Oh, nice, nice. Good on you. Yeah. Good on you. How's it it's been so been far? it great. It's been an amazing, like, yes. it's just more opportunities to talk to people like you and, and be inspired by other creatives. That's the part I love. I love the interview part. So cool. Um, that's all I got for you. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. That was such a great conversation, and I look forward to seeing the show on Friday and seeing him perform live. As always, for links and show notes, visit Dianefoy.com slash zero twenty-two. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers.